Peeps, this is Caught Red Handed. This is episode 11, where I interview Nita Sharma. So, here in the Northeast, it is fall, so we have a lot of trees that are full of henna colors. And despite all these gorgeous oranges and reds and browns around me, kind of have, have had a slow um, henna season right now. This is pretty typical for this time of year. But I did have a gig this past weekend because it's just this one gig after not having very many, I decided to really focus in on certain things that I have either learned through doing this podcast or things that I just um, used to do and was reminded about through these interviews. So ever since my interview with Debbie, I've been drawing a lot. I have been copying a lot of designs that I love and getting new motifs in my head and also trying out different layouts and different styles. So that's just been kind of swimming in my head in general. So it was a nice place to go into this gig um, with all these designs in my head. And the gig was a bat mitzvah, which is not usually my favorite because I feel like the kids just want henna just to have henna and don't really want any specific design. So I decided that this would be a perfect opportunity to really change things up at least from my approach so one thing that I used to do a lot before gigs was set an intention before the gig this time my intention was to use things that I've been working on in my drawing sessions and um, really make an effort to do something creative for each person I also decided that I needed to slow down and really take care with each person I think at these types of party gigs I tend to just want to be an assembly line and next 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 and this time I really wanted to take my time it was a smallish party so I had time it was only two hours so I could really just indulge each person and give them something really lovely I also have been in general stepping up my professionalism, just arriving early, staying late, double checking my supplies and everything. This time I remembered to bring my aftercare sheets, which I seem to always forget. I switched to using Moo cards for my aftercare sheets and that went over really well because they're such cute little cards that people just want to grab them and take them home with them. Moo cards are a little expensive, maybe $20 for a hundred, but I love them and my clients love them. So that's good. Also, this bat mitzvah reminded me that I love my no books policy. I've been doing gigs like this without books for ages, but it was just a really nice reminder that I just don't like copying designs out of books. And I think my clients really end up liking the original designs better than if they picked out something from a book. I've been bringing my iPad, and on my iPad I have a slideshow of party photos. So... 
they can see what I can do and get an idea of the kind of design they're going to get, but knowing that they're going to have something original on their hand, I think they find it really exciting. So I don't think anyone misses picking a design from the book, least of all me. Out in the world of the internet, uh, something interesting happened last night, maybe today. Uh, Somebody posted something on a Facebook henna group about uh, critiquing henna artists. And the tone of the post was basically some people are very mean about the way they critique people's work and that um, it kind of scares people off. I found this conversation really, really interesting and there were a ton of replies and so many interesting comments. I learned so much about how people view critiquing, how people are used to being critiqued or not used to being critiqued, etc. It was a really interesting conversation. I was just thinking from all the things that I read, I think it's really important to be critiqued as an artist. And I read a lot of posts from people who are involved in other arts and who, who arts which definitely have a critique element in them. And I think everybody in these various fields agrees that critique is really vital for a person's growth as an artist. Of course, it feels really great to hear compliments. We all have our family and friends who are very impressed with our skills and even our clients are amazed that we can do this because they can't do it and they think we're amazing and they compliment us endlessly. And this is all great. It feels really good and it can be encouraging and inspiring but I don't think we're going to get anywhere as artists unless we actually can look at our work subjectively. Um, Sorry, look at our work objectively and see the flaws and see the ways that it could be better. There is a group on Facebook called the Hen Artist Critique Group, and this group is just for posting your work and having it critiqued by other artists, some of them really professional artists, some of them you know, been doing it for a few years, some are newbies, and everybody's opinion is really valuable. Even a newbie can see something in a design that, you know, a seasoned professional who may be kind of um, blasé about things doesn't see. So it's a, I think it's a great place to go and have your work critiqued. If you feel a little bit nervous about it, just try critiquing other people's work, and that may give you some perspective on what it's like to... Um, well, to critique somebody's work, but also to be critiqued. You can kind of put yourself in the boots of the person being critiqued and, and uh, you know, work on your critique from that perspective. When I was a little kid, my dad always told me that if you ever want to say something negative to somebody, always sandwich it in between two nice things. And I always thought this was kind of contrived, and surely the person hearing what you have to say knows that you're making up this stuff. But... Now that I'm no longer a little kid, I realize that doing that really teaches you, the critiquer, to see good in things. And so much of our society is geared towards seeing the negative in things and complaining. And this is so, so much exacerbated by the internet that trying to find nice things to say about somebody's work may be a challenge at first, but I think it's a really, really great exercise. And the more I do that, the more I see good things in what I'm critiquing. So, as I said, come to the Henna Artist Critique Group and um, post your work and join in the conversation. I think you'll really like it. 
Today's interview is with Nita Sharma. Nita is one of those artists who works kind of quietly and she's not always in the spotlight. She's not always shoving her work in your face. And so I always knew Nita was out there just kind of in the corner of my eye, could see her. And I always remembered she had really nice work. And then one day I saw a bunch of her new photos and I realized that she had just kind of dropped off my radar because these photos just really blew me away. And I, I just, I feel like I rediscovered Nita. And it was a great discovery. So cool to see the way she pulls in new elements and really uh, takes Indian Bridal to a whole new level. I was really inspired seeing her work and really made me want to talk to her. So um, I was really glad to have this conversation with her. Nita is very sweet, very generous, and also very funny. She is very generous with her ideas, and she has so much enthusiasm. It was just a blast to listen to her talk with so much passion about how much she loves henna. For me, it was really inspiring, especially as I'm kind of in a little doldrums with my own henna career. It really gave me a huge boost to listen to her talk about henna with such reverence and such passion and even sense of humor. So uh, without any further blah, blah, blah from me, let's go ahead and listen to my conversation with Nita. Enjoy. So Nita, I have never met you in person, but I have followed your work for many, many years and um, also heard a lot of great things about you. I know Harold was uh, singing your praises when I interviewed her, so I'm really glad to meet you, at least on the podcast and hopefully someday in person as well. Likewise, yeah, I've heard about, like, you know, I've followed your work too for a oh. while and um, <laughs> like heard about you from Harold and when I met Jewel in Singapore. Oh, like, that's her. right, yeah. So she, like, couldn't say enough about you, oh. so I really hope we in our paths cross someday oh yeah i definitely think so the company that i work for has an office in san francisco so i'm always like angling to get there on my awesome. uh, company's dime <laughs> mm-hmm. but i have so many friends out there that it's really silly to not head out there sometime soon and hang out with everyone you should and we can do a you know we have a great group of people here so know. you have San Francisco is like a huge center of Mendy talent. It's kind of, there must be something in the water there. And there's a lot of population too, probably. You know, there's so many weddings happening here and, <laughs> you know, so, and yeah. like, it's a group of artists, at least I mean, there's a lot out there, but you know, we there is a real, like, as you said, the talented group and, we kind of get along with each other and, you know, nice. I mean, it's, there's no like political drama. <laughs> so yeah. that's one of the good things I like about, you know, the group that's here. Yeah. That's such a drain on the energy when you're in a situation where everyone's kind of fighting with each other for meager resources. But it sounds like you guys have so, so many clients out there that a lot of you can make a living at it. It is. And for me, like, at least my philosophy is, you know, like, if, if some, like, that bright, I didn't get that business, it wasn't meant to be. So even if sometimes things get canceled last minute, I, you know, I'll feel sad for a couple of minutes. And then I (laughs) think to myself, it wasn't meant to be, you know, so, 
you know. And then maybe something else will come along or you get to spend more time with your family or your friends. So in yeah. the end, you know, you're, you're still a happy person and you don't have bitterness about it. So you can enjoy hanging out with people you love. Yes, true. And you are like me, you work a full-time job, right? I don't actually. I used to. Um, oh. I quit about four years ago. And oh, okay. now all I do is Mendy. And it's oh, more cool. than what I, like, I'm more busier now than I was when I was working and doing henna. <laughs> wow. <laughs> yeah. Oh. I thought I would have more time to do other things. And it's not like, you know, when I was working, I, I used to kind of churn out books. And now it's been a year and a half and I haven't, you know, been able to work on books because there's just been no time. Yeah. And I'm working on one right now and I hope oh, to get nice. it done soon. But um, yeah, it's just been so crazy. <laughs> <laughs> That's amazing. Mm -hmm. But I guess when you open yourself up to doing Mendy full time, then you know, the work, you can fit the work in, people are used to you being available. Whereas when you're yeah. working, maybe they didn't come to you because they knew, oh, well, she's only available in the evenings or on weekends. Yeah. And like, even I, I had to limit myself, you know, how many vacation days I can take off. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> I had a good job and like, you know, I, my, I had an understanding boss. So that helps. It helps. But then it just became too much. I was almost doing like two jobs. Yeah, so, yeah. And it was my dream to do henna full time. And, you know, right now I'm living my dream. That's so. awesome. That's such an inspiration. Yeah. And I feel like I'm talking to more and more people who are doing that and doing it full time, which is something I never really thought was possible. In this day and age, anything's possible. <laughs> Yeah, and I th and I always make the excuse, well, the East Coast is different. We have winter and people don't want henna in winter. And I think maybe I kind of limited my thinking on that. But I, you know, I recently interviewed Nev and I interviewed Rebecca and both of them are doing henna full time. Mm -hmm. uh, so it must be possible on the East Coast. It, I think it is. I mean, there's again, a huge community out there, and, yeah. you know. Yeah. So... Yeah. So you were saying that, uh, you know, you're living your dream and, you know, with the right attitude, anything is possible. And it just made me think of something you said in your email to me when we were talking about this interview that you faced a lot of obstacles uh, yes. in becoming a henna artist. So what is, what were those obstacles? And was that before you moved to the U.S. or once you came here? No, it was definitely, it was growing up because um, I kind of have taught myself, um, you know, growing up doing henna, I loved it. And I used to doodle all the time. And um, a lot of my friends actually said that you're so good at it. Uh, you know, you should do it professionally and, you know, start making some money. And um, in India, you know, again, um, it's where actually a lot of like either poor people or you know lower middle class poorly, um, poorly educated people or... educated as well as like you know monetarily poor they are the ones who actually do this like provide a service right. 
That's so, like Morocco. Morocco's the same way too. Yeah. So, you know, and I was kind of from an upper middle class family and mm. my dad uh, used to throw so many tantrums if I had to go out of the house to do henna on someone and hmm. and his focus was education, you know, you don't need to do this and um means he used to really, really, you know, stop me from doing it. Then I would sneak out and, you know, somehow, you know, keep doing it. But um, from India, I went, I've lived in Australia for a couple of years. Um, This was in 96 to 98. Uh And um, that's when Madonna had her video. Uh uh, And the henna thing like exploded, you know, internationally. Yeah. And I was one of the very few people there who was doing henna at that time. Where in Australia were you? Sydney. Oh, okay. But then, like, you know, there was this belly dance place. I worked out of there. I did a lot of workshops. I was interviewed by media, you know. So I got a lot of exposure there. And and it helped me make money as a student. Mm Mm-hmm. So that's when my dad kind of came around to the idea that, you know, yeah, I mean, you know, it's something worthwhile. So And it supported your your studies, which is what he wanted for you anyway. Yes. And like wherever I've been, like, you know, because I've I've even lived in Canada for a few years and henna has been the thing that first got me a job before I could actually get a real job. So... You know, it's been there, you know, helped me out, you know, everywhere that I've been. So so then that's when he came around. Unfortunately, like he passed away before, you know, I released my first book and, you know, he didn't get to see all that. Yeah. So, yeah. Huh. So do you think that maybe the opposition that you faced made you a better artist or made you made you work harder at it not I mean I was passionate about it you know so I mean I and that's my like you know if I like something I just do it I don't kind of you know think too much and like you know when something attracts me go ahead and do it you know that's my kind of philosophy in life Uh so and henna was something you know growing up I've always been passionate about, so it just made me, you know, go out and do what I love. Were you ever interested in any other forms of art? No, actually, like, means I get this question asked a lot. I'm sure. But this is my medium, you know, this is, like, even when I'm drawing for my books, I have to first sketch it out with a pencil, then, mm-hmm. you know, do like the pen inking on it and yeah. things like that. But with henna, in the first go, you know, I get it right. So, you know, it's my medium. I, I was yeah. an average drawer in school. I wasn't that great, but uh-huh. it's just henna that, you know, makes me draw the best. You know, that's something that I always tell my students or people who are interested in henna and they say, oh, I don't know how to draw. I could never do that. And I tell them that it's not really about drawing skills. It's, you know, it's something completely different and you could do it 
if and some I think maybe it was Darcy who said that she tells people if you can write your name you can do henna because it's all just lines. It's lines, but it's more like what I tell people is it means you need to have the aptitude and you know the love for it. If yeah. you have that, then you can do it. Like if you don't, then no. I mean, there's yeah. so many people they'll say, "Oh, I tried it once," you know. Right. <laughs> Nothing is, you can be okay with once. Yeah. Everything needs practice. So, yes. you know, and they say it was so hard. <laughs> I say, well, you need to do it more than once. Exactly. And I think that if you have that passion, like you say that you felt, I think that's what pushes you past those beginning steps that are so hard and you see the results that are so unpleasant. The mm -hmm. passion pulls you through and keeps you practicing. Yeah. When you were growing up, did you want to be anything else in life? Um, I, I, I'm, my degree is in social work, so huh. I do mean have you know an aptitude for that. So, and again, it was my dad's dream for me to be a social worker, just because uh, one of his favorite cousins was a social worker, and you know. <laughs> Lucky for him, I had the aptitude and, you know, the attitude to be one. Mm -hmm. So I, yeah, that's, I've done my master's in social work and um, oh, okay. I've worked in India, worked in Canada, worked here, you know, as a social worker. Nice. So you've had several careers already. Mm-hmm. And so you didn't do any other art, but did you admire any art or were there any artistic influences on you as a, as a kid and maybe even currently? Um, again, the more currently, like I, I see art everywhere, you know, I get influenced. I mean, everything I see around me influences me because again, going to so many weddings, you see, so many colorful clothes, you see so much decor, you know, I can take inspiration from anything that I see yeah. and, um, you know, kind of start dreaming up designs based on those influences. Is there anywhere you go or anything that you go to that you specifically go to for inspiration? Like when you're feeling a little dried up and you need to refresh your creativity? Um, but not really. Like, again, I look at, you know, all the different forums on Facebook or, you know, so, and usually I don't think it's been that often that I've been, like, you know, kind of not been inspired because, again, brides are something that I love absolutely love you know mm -hmm. that's I think that's my main kind of passion is doing bridal henna yeah and um say for example now it has, it's been pretty slow the last two three weeks oh. uh, so there's not been as many brides and right now I feel oh my god I haven't done a bride in so long yeah so I kind of miss it but um when I do have brides, you know, my, I love to do something different for each bride. I like to customize, you know, designs mm -hmm. for them, put what's important to them in their henna. 
So usually we have, you know, some brides don't care. They just want whatever, but some brides are really specific in what they want. So then that helps me like research more about, you know, what I can put in the henna. Like, you know, I don't know if you saw a picture of a proposal in the henna. I, I posted oh, I a few. I saw that one. Yeah, so for that bride, like her proposal was really important to her and she got proposed on top of a mountain. So I kind of put that in the henna, you know. So, I mean, I like to do those kind of things. And uh, so that kind of then inspires me to, you know, always keep thinking about design and, you know, how I can put a twist to, you know, that particular bride's design and call it her design yeah when you talk to your brides do you do a consultation for the bride it's rare everything's either like most of my stuff is online so we there's some brides who would who want to meet me so then i mean i go ahead and meet them but Uh uh usually everything's online and like i send them link to my work and you know i ask them what's important to them and uh, we go from there. So most of that's online. That's interesting. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I just talked to another bridal henna artist and she said that she does more of her stuff online now and she just can't fit it into her schedule to do the consultations anymore. Yeah. Because I kind of live in the middle of nowhere. So if I have to go do consultations because I travel a lot with my henna. Yeah. So if I have to go and again do consultations, then I'll I'll kill myself. (laughs) I'm actually really particular about that. They have to meet me kind of halfway or they have to come to my studio because for a free consultation, I don't want to be going all over the place either. Yeah. But I live like super far away. So I feel guilty calling people to my house. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, that's true. Yeah, I I work in Manhattan, and a lot of my brides work there, too. So usually we'll just meet for coffee or something. So that yeah, works out pretty that well. That works out, yeah. yeah. And I don't quite live in the middle of nowhere, but um, still, it's a lot to ask people to come out. But you are giving them something free, so I don't know. Mm-hmm. How long after you started doing henna professionally did you start doing brides? I remember my first paid bride I did was in 1992 Hmm. yeah this was in India yes oh okay wow yeah and what I charged her it took me six hours (laughs) to do her and what would now today's date the the currency um would be less than ten (laughs) dollars And like I saw when I talked to the bride, like, and I said, oh, you owe me so much. And the mother's eyebrows like went up really like, you know, so even that was like a big amount for her at that time. Oh my God. That is hilarious. That kind of makes sense because when I first started doing henna, I would get a lot of South Asian women and they'd be like, oh, it's cheaper back home. And I thought, how much cheaper can it be? But I guess it can be pretty cheap. Yeah, but it's changed. I think it's changed now where um, 
means good henna artists are charging anywhere from like 15,000 to 20,000 which is about 3 to 400 dollars wow. so yeah so it, it it is changing in the big cities yeah and it seems like there are a lot more kind of superstar mendy artists in india not as I mean, there's a few but um I don't. I have. I left India in '96, so oh, okay. you know, I just go back once every two or three years, and uh-huh. go back for two or three weeks. So it's hard for me to know exactly, you know, what's going on there. Yeah. So how was that first bride? Can you can you paint a picture of the experience? It was fun. Been yeah, it was so long ago, but um, she was a very sweet girl like you know her mother was if I remember was a school principal somewhere and I got her through a friend of mine that you know the referral hmm. and um, she was pretty patient because six hours wow. with, you know so and I think they, they they were very happy with it so were you nervous I, I don't think so because I had done like you know I'd done three brides before uh-huh. so you know, because I'd done, you know, weddings for family and friends and, you know. Oh, okay. So. And how long would that design take you to do nowadays? Oh, half the time, maybe three <laughs> hours. Okay. That's a pretty good improvement for, what, 12, uh, 18 oh, years? No, more than, I think 21 years. Wow. 21, yeah. <laughs> And um, and so how uh, how many brides do you think you did while you were still living in India, or how many years worth of brides? I probably like was doing. I want to say ten to twelve brides a year because I was uh, I was I was working, you know. But uh, for a while I didn't work, and then I was trying, but. It, because anything needs time to establish, you know. So yeah. by the time I kind of got a little busier, then I, you know, went to Australia to study. So, right. and I had to kind of, you know, pack up everything and go. And then it was the same thing in Australia. By the time I got into the bridal market, it was time to up and leave again. So. <laughs> That must have taught you a lot about building a business and about marketing. It did. Yes, it surely did. <laughs> you were talking about how you are kind of inspired by everything around you and how you're always trying to find new ways to give brides what they want. Do you ever draw the design out beforehand? Sometimes if I can, when it's slow season, then I do. But uh, uh, like a lot of times I'll maybe like sketch it out, you know, not do the whole details in it, uh-huh. but uh, maybe make the whole rough outline. Yeah. And when it's super busy, then I'm thinking more about it while I'm driving there. So oh, okay. <laughs> Because I'll kind of look at what the bride, you know, the links of the pictures she sent me. And then while I'm driving to the bride's house, I'll say, oh, I can maybe try this and try that. And I've been lucky for most part where, you know, 
brides are easygoing and they let yeah. me do whatever I want. So yeah. they know I've... that you're the artist and that you are going to do your best to create something gorgeous for them. Yes. And and do they ever ask you to just copy something, even a design of that you've done before or a design from a book, or are they mostly asking for something original? See, they do send me the links to, yeah. you know, some, and they nowadays, because like, you know, everything's everywhere. So <laughs> a lot of times I will get, you know, designs by other artists that they've liked. And when I make it clear to them, if somebody's work, you know, you know, I'm I'm not going to do the exact same thing because you know my style different. So they it you know I even in that picture I kind of ask them what's important to them. What do they like about the design? Right. So I make sure I have those parts in there. Yeah. But uh, then you know otherwise then I kind of add my take on the design and you know. But keep whatever's important to the bride. Yeah. So pretty much everything you do is original work, even if you're adapting another person's design. Yeah. I I try to. I get bored copying. Oh, I know. And I feel like it takes longer, too, because I'm always it looking does. back and forth and ugh. And even when I go for, like, sangeets and things like that, mm -hmm. I never take anything with me. <laughs> me, too. You know? Because I tell the bride, like, you know, you're paying me by the hour. And if I bring something, I can bring it, but you'll end up paying more. You know, exactly. that's the rationale exactly. I give them. Yes. Because someone will sit in my chair, then they'll flip through the design, <laughs> and they'll want a piece of this and a piece of that. Yeah. And, you know, it just gets crazy. No, that's so. so true. And sometimes they'll say, well, why don't you just bring five designs and let them choose from that. And I always tell them, trust me, it's always quicker if I just make it up. And, yeah. and, uh, most of the time they give in. So, but yeah, yeah. I, I stopped bringing books. I don't know, maybe five years ago because here in New York, I carry everything on my back. You know, I, I take the subway everywhere. So carrying all these books and then the time wasted looking through stuff, I just said, all right, you guys get an original work of art, no picking from a book. And, and I never look back. Yeah. Like for people who they're new to my work and whatever, the first one or two will have like a suspicious look. What is this <laughs> girl going to do? But once I've done a couple of people, then they know they can trust me. Yeah, so. <laughs> they see they see that. Or maybe they saw the bride's work from, you know, from before. But yeah, that's mm. so funny. I uh, sometimes bring my iPad and I just have a slideshow playing of different things that I do. And they say, oh, can I pick? And I say, no, but this just shows you what I do. And and, uh, and almost always they're very happy to have something original. Oh, that's a good idea. Yeah. I just have to keep an yeah. eye on my precious iPad. <laughs> so, and that's another thing. Like, you know, when I used to take books, you know, sometimes they'll walk away from you, oh, you know, so... Yeah. <laughs> Because people are tempted that they get to see all these good designs and, yeah. you know, they, I mean, that someone takes them or they disappear or whatever. Yeah. So Or they get destroyed. Somebody um, spills a drink. I even had yeah. one party where the, it was a uh, bat mitzvah and the kids tore the pages out of the book mm -hmm. because they were looking at it at a different table. And then as soon as they found a design, they like, they tore the page out of the book and brought it to me because they thought that would be easier for me. Oh, uh, yeah. 
I couldn't believe it. My entire book was destroyed. So I, I think maybe that was the turning point for me. No more books. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for those kind of things, I still take books, you oh, know, really? where, where there's birthday parties and, you know, because again, those kind of designs are different. And, you know, I think, again, like the traditional stuff comes to me a little more easier than, mm-hmm. you know, uh, like non-traditional things. Yeah. So, and I like to give kids choices. So, for those kind of events, like I take books and, like, I did a, a Moroccan birthday party just like two days ago. Oh. I took books, but nobody wanted. They just let me, you know, do whatever I wanted. So, oh, that's, yeah. Oh, that's nice. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so, that actually reminds me of another question I wanted to ask you, what percentage of your business is brides and, and what's the breakdown of the other things you do? Like what, what are the other kinds of gigs you do? Um, I want to say, I mean, if you combine the Sangeets and the brides, um, I want to say 80 to 85% of my wow. business is brides. Wow. That's amazing. Yeah. Including Sangeets. Yes. Yeah. Um, I do about six festivals. I it means when I first moved here, I didn't have as much bridal business. So at that time, I did a lot of festivals. But over the years, I kept the good festivals and I, you know, started doing more brides. Uh-huh. Uh, so so I've I do about six. I wow. do some Indian events, not too many. I'm not a big fan of those events. What you know, kind so, of Indian events are those? Um, the Chandras, uh, you know, some. Oh, okay, like, like festival, like holiday yeah, festival, party yeah, but kind of thing. I definitely try to do all the bridal shows because, again, that's, you know, it's community presence and you know i mean even though i mean at this point i don't think i need to be part of a bridal show but i i love you know the fact that i get to interact with brides i get to see some of my old brides you know Mm -hmm. who have come along with some future brides and then you know they say oh yeah this is a henna artist you need and then I get to see, you know, some of my future brides there uh-huh. because I always invite them to the shows and, oh, you know. that's cool. Yeah, so. Do you, the bridal shows, do you have to pay for a booth? Yes, and that's pretty spendy. But I, yeah. I, I mean, I've always, you know, gotten business out of those. So, I mean, it's a lot of money putting out up front. Yeah. But, uh, you know. I always make more, you know, I, like I, there was a show three weeks ago and I've already had about six brides contact me from the show. Oh, wow. So, and I know like sometimes I've had people like who've taken my cards and called me back like two years, three years later. <laughs> so, yeah, I did a bridal show here in New York. Oh God. I can't even remember how long ago. And it was just so... So unsuccessful in terms of leading to more business that I just swore off ever doing them again. Did um, was it an Indian bridal show? Yeah, yeah. And uh. um, 
it was very poorly organized back then. They're still doing them now. It's the same company and they seem much better organized, but it was just so poorly organized. I got no business out of it. It was just, um, yeah. And that's another thing you need to, you know, when you're doing shows, it's like always good to look at, you know, their reputation. Yeah. And see like, there's a couple like, you know, of shows here. Like I, I always, again try something twice you know yeah and if it doesn't work for me and then i just give up that's really uh, good advice and i tried this one just once and many years ago and i think they're just much better organized now it might be worth it yeah um i keep thinking maybe i'll try again maybe i'll try again because i'm not really in in the indian community otherwise Mm -hmm. you know the the only and it's, presence it's is... the presence, you know, Yes. because the more they see you, the more, you know, it sticks in their mind and, you know, yeah. and, and if even because again, it's a lot of word of mouth. Um, yeah. I mean, I want, again, I want to say 80 to 90% of my brides are word of mouth, you know, yeah. so I've done like one wow. friend's wedding and all the friends then hire me for their weddings and, you know. If some family sees my work somewhere and they like it and then they refer me somewhere else and, you know, so. Yeah. Yeah, I think I think when I went to that one many years ago, I thought, oh, it's because I'm white and uh, nobody wants to hire a white henna artist. And, and no. then I just kind of closed my mind to it. And I think, mm-hmm. you know, nowadays people are more used to having Mendy artists who are from a lot of different cultures. So yeah. I think I need to really rethink that. Well, we have so many, you know, Darcy, like she's a huge success story. Mm-hmm. There's Jacqueline Robbins, like, you know, she, yeah. she's pretty well known in like her area now with brides, you know? Yeah. So, you know, when Justine, like uh, she's cut down on brides, but when she was doing it, like she was pretty well known. Yeah the Seattle area so you know I don't know for some reason at this bridal show I just felt like um I felt like a freak there and and then I I kind of forgot that now people are used to it and people aren't so surprised that I'm not Indian and I don't get people calling and asking if I'm Indian when they try and book me so uh I think the community has really changed a lot Mm -hmm. so give it one more shot again okay I will (laughs) No, I've been kind of thinking about it again, and they're all in New Jersey, which is a little hard for me to get to, so I've been, I'm just kind of lazy and not wanting to do that, but I think, yeah, it might just work, because one booth there, I'm not sure what the price is, it's, it is expensive, as you say, but, you know, I could make it back, if I get one bride out of it, I could make it back, and it's, yeah. it would probably get me a lot more than some of the advertising I've paid for, so. hmm because again, it's like, you know, if they'll see you and at these bridal shows, um, I, you know, do offer a free, um, mm-hmm. consultation to the bride, Yeah. but you know, usually there's 10 people with the bride and I say, no, only one person, is, I, I can do it free for one person, but the others I'll charge, which, you know, I'm not happy, uh, means doing extra people because yeah. that takes time away from the time that I could talk to brides. Right. But uh, again, like it's henna's like so fascinating to you know women. Like if they see it, you know, and they see something nice, then they want it done. 
Yeah, and it makes an impression so, on them that makes them remember you too. Yeah. Oh, that's that's very interesting thoughts are going on in my mind now. <laughs> and then I mean another like good thing would be to have a boot babe there, you know. Oh yeah. Because like for me throughout the whole show, all I'm doing is doing henna and talking to brides, doing henna and I have, you know, usually and it's some other henna artist that always helps me out. Uh-huh. And um, if I'm not available for that date, then I, you know, refer that business to them. So that way it's someone that I know gets the business too. Yeah, that's so, nice. And then they usually are they out there, again, keeping an eye on my books, talking to people, you know, mm-hmm. making them sign up because I have a sign-up sheet, you know, so that way I can follow up with the bride after I'm done with the show. So Yeah. Oh, that's a good idea. Yeah. So what other kind of marketing do you do for your business? Um, as I said, uh, most of it is word of mouth, but again, because of trying to have the community presence and again, like I did it, but, um, Ravi, like another really like amazing artist, oh, yeah. from, you know, she's the one who kind of, you know, said, cause there's sometimes once, there was a show I was kind of debating, should I, should I not? And she said, nope, you have to do it, you know, so because it's the community presence. Yeah. So, um, yeah, the shows, then I, uh, lately there've been a couple of um, local, you know, magazines that have come out, bridal magazines. Uh-huh. So I've been putting, you know, my ads there again. And it's more to support the people that are doing it because, you know, it's new. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think social media too has helped me a lot, you know, um, Facebook, um, Instagram. Um, so that's really, really helped me get a lot of business. So when you say that it's, it's like 80, 90% word of mouth, is there anything that you do to feed the word of mouth, like help it along? Well, just. <laughs> like <laughs> just do, do good work and yeah, just amuse them and give them like good customer service you know because that's important along with doing good work like yeah. if you do good work but don't have a good attitude then you know they're not gonna like you know remember you for that so yeah you know, so you know, it's always good to kind of you know make sure i present myself well and you know yeah. try to do the best that I can and you know that really leaves an impression on yeah. and um, is there a type of bridal work that you wish you got more of like kind of the kind of designs that you would like to get more of mm-hmm. I mean most of the brides here like the traditional Indian Mm-hmm. So, um, I mean, that's, you know, a big market. And again, in the brides that I do, I want to say 80 to, again, 80 to 90% of my brides are Sikh, you know, um, Sikh brides. But I know there's a lot of, you know, other communities, you know, which I somehow don't have too much luck. I don't know why. Um, so 
it would be nice to have like a mixed group of people to do henna for. But I enjoy my Sikh brides and, you know. Are you Sikh yourself? No, I'm I'm a Hindu. I'm a, so, um, so why is it that so many of your brides are Sikh? I have no clue. It's, again, it's a <laughs> word of mouth and I just started, you know. That's well. so interesting. Because mm-hmm. most of my brides, like the last two years, most of my brides have been from Guyana. And I guess that also is word of mouth too. I don't know. I You know, there are lots of different kinds of Indians here and yet they all seem to be Guyanese. Yeah. No, but there's that's the thing here also I know there's a a big like Afghan population, there's a big Middle Eastern population. Mm-hmm. Um but somehow like and I've done like a few brides here and there, but uh, I've never been able to kind of, you know, step into that market, you know, yeah. but Yeah. But just because I'm so busy with this, you know, so there's been no time to even look into that and yeah. see, you know, what I can do to get into, you know, to just have a more variety in the people I interact with. Yeah, <laughs> that's so interesting. And um, is there a particular type of style or a type of coverage or something that you find particularly challenging? Mm. I used to like you know, and people will like when I say that now. But to anyone, they laugh at me. But I used <laughs> to be absolutely petrified of doing the Arabic style. Oh, you know? okay. For some reason, when I first like you know, kind of knew about it uh, way back, like in two thousand five, two thousand six. Mm-hmm. You know, so there was this one friend who got married in Canada and um, she's a henna artist too Iti. I don't know if you know her um, so when she got married she wanted the Arabic style and uh, I wasn't confident in doing that at all <laughs> so and Justine um, is friends with her also so I made Justine do her hands and I did her feet <laughs> so I said <laughs> I refused to do her hands oh, that's and, so funny you know, but it's, I've kind of uh, gotten over that and you know I'm able to do it but uh, it's still like you know I'm most at ease with Indian where like there's full coverage so yeah. if I do get the Arabic you know it's still I have to kind of you know put uh, more thought to it, and yeah. you know it doesn't come to me as naturally. Oh, okay. Do you like the challenge, or you'd rather not? I no, I love challenges. Like I, you know, for years I've been kind of wanting to get better at Moroccan, mm-hmm. but it's just the time, you know, and yeah. it's hard to find time. And if so clients that's, never ask for it, it's hard to really find the excuse to do it. Yeah, but see, that's like, I love, again, you know, combining different things. Uh, mm-hmm. I wear, like, again, there's sometimes I'll add a few gulf elements into the Indian. So I love doing those kind of things. Um, mm-hmm. But, you know, again, Moroccan doesn't, even gulf doesn't come to me naturally. So yeah, those are things then, you know, I have to give it some thought before I do it. Yeah, definitely. Um, are there any, do you see anything kind of trending in, in Mendy styles 
this year or the last year or so? Yeah, last year I did a lot of bride and grooms. <laughs> this year um, I'm seeing a lot of the mandalas. That's, oh, that's nice. I love that kind of stuff. Yeah, that's been like a lot of my brides have asked for those designs this year. So that's the trend I've seen this year. You know, not, I haven't done as many brides and grooms as I did last year. <laughs> so that trend is totally played out. Yeah. <laughs> And I still have some bride here and there asking for it, but yeah. yeah. And um, do you do aftercare for your brides? I do. Um, again, uh, what I do is like usually a few days before the wedding, like I, you know, I'll, I send out a couple of emails and ones, you know, how to prepare for the whole event and, you know, what, how I like the setup to be and things like that. And, you know, what's comfortable for the bride, you know, because sitting on the floor is a big no, no, you know, I need them on a comfort, the most comfortable chair in the house. Yeah. Cause the, the more comfortable that they are, the less they'll wiggle. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so, um, there's an email that I like a detailed email about that. And then I do send out a detailed email about aftercare. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, when I go there, I go over that also with them. So, and then I, you know, try to follow up over the next couple of days till it's their wedding day and make sure everything's okay. Oh, that's good. And do you do lemon sugar or wrap them up after you finish henning them? Uh, I don't do the wrap up because usually, you know, they're still kind of socializing and everything. Yeah. But I do, like, you know, have in my aftercare, there's a picture of a bride who once, like, tagged me on Facebook with her wrap-up. And <laughs> and I've saved that picture, so I send that picture to my brides to get an idea of how they have to be wrapped up. Oh, that's great. Yeah, and then uh, I, I'm a big, big advocate of lemon sugar. So, yeah. And do you I, do that for them? I do, yeah. Very nice. And if I'm in a rush, like, you know, if it's not dry and I'm not staying back to do the other guests and everything, then I leave some with them and then yeah. I have someone, you know, take over from there. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, when you when you sit down to do a bride, do you what order do you do her hands and her feet, the two sides of her hands and her feet? Usually. um Again, depending it on the space, you know, because again, in my emails, I do say I need like three feet of space around me. Mm-hmm. But sometimes, you know, if the bride's in an apartment, or, you know, somewhere, then there's not enough space to go around. Mm-hmm. And um, I carry a box, you know, it's uh, one of those like office boxes, like a rolling cart. Oh, okay. And, um, in that I have a light, a heater, like, you know, extra stuff, like extra scissors, tape, you know, just things. If I have a carrot bag burst, then I have, like, put some extra carrot bags in. So just things uh, that okay. I might need if, you know, situations come up. A couple of nice backdrops so that I can take good pictures, mm-hmm. you know. So 
and then when I'm doing the feet, I use that box to have the bride put her feet on the box oh, so okay. that you know so it kind of it's a multi-purpose you know um comes handy that way uh, so if the space is limited uh what i do is i i typically start with the palms because you know that's when i'm the freshest you know the you know palms mm-hmm. are the most like you know Import like you know everyone sees the palms more. It gets the darkest. It lasts the longest. Yeah, and although like the backs in the pictures, you see a lot of the back hands. So I do the palms, and you know if the space is limited, then I have my heater going, Uh so that way the henna is drying faster. Oh yeah. And then I lemon sugar it, and then I turn and do the back hand. Oh, okay. Then I do the feet in the end. But, mm-hmm. you know, if there's enough space, then I let the henna dry naturally. Mm-hmm. Well, then I do the palms, I go into the feet, and mm-hmm. then I go back because then the box is there. So yeah. I kind of need that space to, you know, go back and sit and, you know, finish the arm. Right, right. I see what you're saying. Yeah. And uh, when I was interviewing Harold, she was telling me about her experience working with Heron. And she was saying that usually the professional artists there draw out all of the outlines and then somebody comes back and does all the fill. So I was wondering if that is how you work as well. Do you, I mean, not that somebody comes and does the fill for you, but do you draw out the design first on their hand and then go back and fill it in? Uh, not anymore. I mean, when I started, I used to, but uh, when it comes more you know now means i sometimes i don't even have a design in mind when i'm like you know starting the bride so just go with the flow kind of you know so and that you know makes me come up with a new design so not but with the feet uh, because you know feet are more look better when they're more symmetrical so with the feet i you know sometimes will sketch out a design and then you know go back and fill it in mm-hmm. but not for the hand oh, okay interesting interesting unless someone's like really asking for super symmetrical like work then you know i have to kind of keep the hands together and then you know make some outlines uh, yeah just like yeah. guidelines Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That's interesting. Yeah. So, what is it that you like best about being a henna artist? Mm. Tough question. <laughs> <laughs> I love like everything about it. You know. Oh, nice. Uh, <laughs> yeah, the only part I don't like is the driving. That's <laughs> what I'm kind of beginning to hate now. But. Oh. Uh, I love, you know, being able to create. I love, you know, making it special for the bride. Mm-hmm. You know, I love, like, you know, it's such a happy occasion. And uh, there's so much, like, you know, for most part, there's so much, you know, happiness and positivity, you know, in the whole atmosphere. So I enjoy, you know, being there. It's, I'm part of like you know a bride special day i i love yeah. you know that part um 
I just, it just, you know, it really brings me to a very, you know, happy space. Like there's times I've done three brides in a day. You know, I don't like, you know, when I'm doing a bride till I get to that place, yeah, I might be tired and whatever. The minute I hold the cone and I start working on a bride, everything disappears. Means I've noticed the more tired I am, you know, and I go somewhere, the better work I do. I don't know why, but, um, you know, that's what I've seen. Like, you know, so. So it sounds like henna is kind of like psychotherapy for you. It can cheer you up and give you energy, make you happy. It does. Yeah. (laughs) Oh, that's nice. So uh, are you often asked to teach um, henna artists or um, beginning artists or even just professional artists who want to become better? I too, like I, I uh, like you know, I'm involved. I do one event at my house uh-huh. every year, which is called the Spring Fling, uh-huh. and uh, that usually happens in February. Uh-huh. And then I, um, the last, I want to say three years now, I've been going up to henna gathering and I've been teaching there. Yeah. Um, I've been going to HennaCon every year, you know, so next year I've been invited to go teach in Florida. Oh, neat. Um, so that's other part, which again, I'm really passionate about is uh, kind of sharing what I know. I don't yeah. want to say, you know, teaching, but because there's so much more to, you know, to learn and, you know, everywhere I go, I always, I learn something too, you know, Mm -hmm. so I'm always learning and, you know, I want to kind of share with people what I know. Yeah. So. Do you ever teach anybody local or have an apprentice? Um, I haven't like this. I do get approached to do that, but it's again, the time factor. Yeah. So where, um, you know, again, I means I've had some henna artists who just come and visit me and they just follow me around and I'm happy with that, you know. So <laughs> yeah. Say, so. You're not actually teaching them, but they're observing and learning. Yeah. So, but it's like I do, you know, get asked and it's just hard because it's, it's over here, wedding season's almost kind of year round, yeah. you know, so. Yeah. It just, you know, to try to block out a time is hard. But when I go, you know, at these, you know, meetups and gatherings, mm. you know, so that's when I'm able to kind of share. Yeah. So do you ever get creative blocks? Um, I'm trying to... I mean, there was there have been a couple of times, I think, where, you know, as with anything, when you overdo something, you know, you kind of get jaded with it. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, you kind of need a a push, you know, to get more creative. Mm-hmm. So usually, some, like, sometimes that happens. And then it's usually, 
I go and, you know, go to a conference and then again, I get a fresh burst of energy and creativity because again, at these, you know, conferences and meetups, like people are doing hand on each other. And that's a time like, you know, again, I get to kind of try out new things, you know, new ideas, you know, yeah. there's so many willing guinea pigs there. Yeah. So, so it, I'm sorry, go ahead. So it's, I think those times when even if I'm like jaded and, you know, have some kind of blocks, it kind of gives me a new boost. That's great. Is there anything that you have just in your daily life that helps you get through blocks? Mm, not really. Because again, there's no time to, you know, sometimes there's no time to even like, think about it oh I'm having blocks and it's just like this week also I, I it's a busy week I tomorrow I have henna from tomorrow till Sunday every day so oh, wow. you know it's just it's go 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 mm-hmm. you know so wow. although like yeah I mean my Sangeet designs like I'm kind of getting bored you know with them what's coming out you know so you know, sometimes like because um, then when hero comes over, then we challenge each other. Let let's draw something which you know doesn't have flowers, doesn't have paisleys. Let's see what we come <laughs> up with. So cool. Just try to like you know challenge each other and you know try to come up with new things. Yeah, that's a great way to do it. You took Ashkumar's class, right, or his workshop? I did. And what did you get out of that? Come to think of it, uh, means again, that was one of the times again where I was pretty jaded. Oh, really? You know? And, um, <laughs> you know, because I'd had a busy year before. I I took his class in January and, you know, means it had been a pretty busy bridal year for me. And, you know, so... It means whatever he taught in the class, I knew about it, you know, but again, it was things that kind of were reinforced, you know, I'd forgotten about it. Oh, or, okay. And then, like, he did help me with, you know, like, like he saw some, some things and, like, you know, he did help me, like, you know, give me some pointers and techniques of what I could do better, or, you know. So, it, it's, I had problems with the price of the class, but, yeah. uh, you know, for the price that you had to pay, it was, you know, but I kind of wanted to see what it was. And again, you know, my um, thing is I can learn from, you know, I mean, I'm, I don't stop myself from learning. So, you know, <laughs> I wanted to see, you know, what I could learn from there. And that's what made me, you know, join that class yeah so do you think it was worth it in the end it I means it did help me you know out and it you know gave a jump start to creativity you know you yeah. know so i was inspired and it did help me so that's great but it means you know i know you know for the conferences that happen here you know the price of, you know so the money part is a big issue yeah you know but um, I know, like, you know, people can learn much more from 
all the other conferences yeah. that happen here, you know. So that might be a better investment. Yeah. yeah. You can have, like, go to two or three with, as opposed to one that you go to. For so. the same price, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and um, oh, what was the other thing I was going to – oh, yeah. So how, uh, what is your how – do you, how do you price your bridal? It's more, uh, I kind of um, price it according to my hourly rate, uh-huh. you know. So if I know, you know, and I can pretty much now look at a design and kind of guesstimate how long it's going to take me. Yeah. So I kind of, you know, base my bridal price on that, you know, as to it's going to take me three hours. So it's kind of in that region the price that i charge the bride mm-hmm. and so what's the what's your price range for for uh, for all the different types that you do my basic package you know which something which is like palms and like a few inches above the palms uh-huh. front back and simple feet uh, it starts from 175 and then the most I've charged a bride yet, I want to say, was like five fifty or five seventy five. Oh, okay. Yeah. Huh. Yeah, that's pretty good. Hmm. But that bride had like a lot of figures in her mainly, and you know, all the way up so the arm, the- all the way around. <laughs> yeah. So that was a pretty. Yeah detailed one yeah oh, so going back to the uh the class that you took with ash kumar was mm-hmm. um was there anything else that kind of that gave you a big jump start in your creativity besides the conferences and and his workshop like with his workshop or just in or, general no, i mean is there anything besides conferences and his workshop that really gave you a, a big boost in your creativity was there uh, any kind of any moment where you had kind of a breakthrough i wonder like lately i've been doing um a lot of like peacocks you know which are a little different you know to the normal traditional oh, okay. peacocks that you see in the and I remember there was like one bride, because um, I'd been thinking about these designs and um, there was this one bride who gave me the opportunity. So that was like the first bride I ever did the peacock, you know, with the feathers. And I wanted to make it like a, a like a full peacock as opposed to, you know, the paisley peacock. Oh, so like a more lifelike peacock? More th- that, but... Yeah, they're more henna, you know, I mean, they're still in the shape of a paisley or, mm-hmm. you know, they're a little di- different, it's like hard, like they have a lot of feathers and, you know, mm-hmm. so, so she, like, you know, when she let me do that in her henna, you know, that was like, like a wow moment, you know, for me, you know, and oh, since cool. then I've been doing like a lot of those styles oh. of peacocks. So that's something late, you know, that in the recent past that I've, I remember having like a wow, you know, moment where, yeah, like this is something, you know, 
and it's a book I'm working on, so I'm hoping oh, to share that with the world Ooh, soon. Nice. So, any yeah. any idea of when it will come out? I hope, like, I'm more than halfway done with it, so oh. I'm hoping soon. You know, <laughs> so. So to round out this interview, I wanted to ask you if you had three big pieces of, or maybe not big, but if you have three pieces of advice for pro henna artists out there who want to transition from what they're doing now to bridal henna, what do you mm -hmm. think are the three things that they really need to work on or that are really key to their development? Uh, one would be you know, having a varied portfolio, mm -hmm. you know, like working on a portfolio and having variety in it, you know, so that again, showing your work, you know, as to what you can do yeah. and, you know, giving brides like choices in what they want. Oh, okay. Um, you know, working, you know, on their skills, like if they, they've been like, you know, festival artists, uh, I haven't done much bridal henna. It's a totally different ball game, yeah. you know. And uh, some of it might, you know, because like for me, it's more easy to understand, you know, the culture because that's where I'm from. Mm -hmm. Whereas, like you know, not being part of that culture, there might be things that might not make sense to, you know artists who are not you know from that culture yeah. so trying to maybe like you know understand all that you know means i get approached by different people like and i'm like saying it here like if people i'm always open to sharing so i do get emails and things like that like if people need advice or you know need something and i'm more than happy to share yeah so um yeah, understanding the culture and, you know, knowing what you're going to get into because <laughs> a lot of things are not going to make sense till you actually, you know, have done that a few times and yeah. you still get in those situations. It's hard. Like, and um, what else? Are there any particular... Uh, actual henna skills that you think that that like you said people transitioning from festival to bridal mendy should work on yeah more than you know doing more intricate you know because again festival pieces are more bigger bolder or mm -hmm. you know little things whereas um if you're getting into bridal henna it's more intricate a lot of elements you know and putting especially in the traditional indian you know style yeah. so again you know it, it does need a lot of practice you know if you want to get into that so like some of the again people that i you know talk to or like i'm even mentor like distances you know i am always like you know doing challenges you know, ever there and trying to, you know, I need to see this and see that. So again, you know, because the more variety you can offer to a bride, like again, it to me as an artist, it's really, you know, fulfilling that yeah, like I can offer, you know, more variety and mm -hmm. you know, 
to a bride that she has choices from. Yeah. And uh, sometimes I get like the thing that, oh, you have too many pictures to choose from. But, you know, <laughs> it's a good complaint, I think, you know, yeah. so as opposed to like, there's nothing, what do I, you know, choose from? Yeah. And I talked to um, to Sarah uh, Walter. She's in Seattle. And uh-huh. she was saying that when people are practicing to do bridal work, that they should make sure that they practice bridal from beginning to end, not just do the palms one day and then the backs another day and then the feet another day just for the shoot. But make sure you can do the full thing all that- in one sitting. <laughs> That's that's really good advice. Yeah, I didn't yes. even think of that until she mentioned it. It's really brilliant. And it's the same, like, you know, the my first bride that I told you, like, mm-hmm. six hours, you know, I mean, even, I mean, I, when I, I if I remember right, like, I, I didn't know how long it's going to take or whatever. I mean, yeah. you know, I got done through it, but it took that long. And yeah. if I remember, I mean, I wasn't expecting it to be that long. Yeah. So. But the, you know, so and it's hard and, enough for you. But then imagine, you know, the bride has no idea how long it's going to take, and she has to sit there while you try and figure it out, even yeah. if you're not charging for all that time. Another piece of advice, like you know, I especially when you're starting out new, it's always you know good to practice that design, like you know the layout and everything on paper or on someone, you know, so that way you're more familiar with the design when you go to the bride. So it kind of flows faster. Oh, that's a really good idea. Yeah. So like even like if you want to get into the bridal, like, you know, market, I mean, fillings you know one day maybe just take some filling just practice filling one day just practice outlines of shapes you know one day you know practice something of just putting shapes together to just kind of make the whole design flow so yeah when like a bright i mean an artist is doing something maybe just take one thing and perfect that before you move to the next thing yeah that's a great way to practice yeah. Yeah. Very cool. That's a lot of great advice. And I got a lot of great advice out of this too. So I appreciate you very much uh, talking with me today. Well, that was a pleasure. Great. Well, um, I think that's it. I I have a feeling as soon as we hang up, I'm going to come up with 10 more questions I want to ask you, but uh, maybe we'll just have to have another interview at some point in the future. Definitely. But I wanted to even like say, you know, thank you for doing this for the henna community. You know, I've I've not heard all the interviews, but I've heard a few and I've so enjoyed listening to them. So thank you for taking that initiative and, you know, doing something extra special for the community. Oh, thank you so much. And you're welcome. Oh, and that actually brings me to another question I wanted to ask you. Who would you like to see me interview? Hmm. Definitely, like if like if you can get Ravi, like she's an amazing artist and an amazing person, you know. Oh, cool! And she has a lot of like amazing things to share, you know. Okay. 
like uh, for spring fling i kept bugging her and bugging her for so many years and she say oh and she's one of the most humble people you'll ever come across oh, wow. you know she has beautiful work i've always admired that yeah and like she says i have nothing to share and <laughs> the first time like she i actually sat in a class that she agreed to do she just blew me away you know oh my god she has like she a lot of knowledge and like she's like she's amazing um i would love to see some like international artists yeah uh, you know i love uh, like another person i love and admire work of is alia oh, i knew you, you were going to say her name yeah <laughs> yeah she yeah, does she, great stuff i just drool all over it every time she posts a new design yeah and it's like so amazing I means you know she just does it for herself I and oh that's crazy it's just like you know all the stuff that she comes up with is just like mind boggling it's yeah, so yeah she's really cool. creative with her layouts it's really yeah incredible Means I enjoyed hanging out with Jewel when I met her. Means yeah. that's someone maybe you could, you know, interview so the world gets to know her. Yeah, more. that would be really cool. You yeah. know, it's funny because she and I have been friends for so long, and I met her when I I think I went like the year after you went or something, and uh, I've been friends with her for so long that I kind of forget that she's also a henna artist. So, mm -hmm. but that would be really cool to also hear about what it's like to be a henna artist in Singapore. It'd be really interesting yeah. to share with people. Mm -hmm. Anyone else you want me to add to the list? Oh, well, I'm sure just like you, like I'll kind of <laughs> later realize, Oh, I should have said this. <laughs> yeah. Well, if you think of them, you can always email me and I'll add them Definitely. to my list. Definitely. I have an ever-growing list. <laughs> I know. You're going to be busy for the next few years. I think so, yeah. <laughs> so, well, thank you so much, Nita. It was a pleasure meeting you online, and hopefully I can meet you in person someday very soon. I hope so, too. Okay. Yeah. Thank you. Okay, thank you. Have a good night. You, too. Thanks. Bye. Bye. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Caught Red-Handed podcast and my interview with Nita Sharma. I hope you enjoyed listening as much as I enjoyed interviewing her. I tried to get this episode out in time for Thanksgiving for my listeners in the U.S. who may be traveling somewhere so that you have something to listen to while you travel. I hope I made it in time for your trip. Speaking of Thanksgiving, I am very thankful for the henna community out there who is listening and giving me really great feedback on this podcast. I'm enjoying these interviews immensely and I love that I can share it with all of you and that you're enjoying it as well. I'm also really thankful to the people who have helped me with the podcast. I recently put out a call for donations and the community out there was very generous. I was able to buy the extra equipment that I needed and then put the leftover donation money towards hosting. So we're covered for hosting for about another year. So hopefully we can get a lot of good interviews out of that in that time. I'm also very thankful to Nash Koram, the photographer who did the photo for the blog and the Facebook page, and also to Shlomi Cohen, who did a great job doing the theme music for this podcast. I love listening to it every time. I go to put the new episode together. So thank you to all of you, and I hope that you have a lot to be thankful for as well. 